0: Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. A of years ago now, um, actually in the county of Alameda, not too far from here, um, a study was done, and it was actually done over a period of time, um, just seeing the impact of friendships and close personal relationships and what they had on the health of people. And um, this, this was all that it's part of this has um, been documented in Robert Putnam's book. Um, it's called Bowling Alone. And it's just looking at um, the disintegration of relationships in our culture and in our society and the impacts of that. And he cites this Alameda study where they actually followed over 7000 people and tracked them for 40 years and just tracked and saw people who were connected, people who had close personal friends, and then those who didn't, and, and some of the health differences that they experienced. And here's some of the things they found out. In this study, people who were classified as lonely and isolated had three times higher mortality rates. People who weren't connected had a three times higher mortality rate. People with, who had many social contacts had the lowest mortality rates, they found that the, the amount of social support was one of the best predictors of good health. In fact, they go on to say, Those who lack social ties had an increased risk of dying from coronary heart, heart disease, stroke, cancer, respiratory diseases, gastrointestinal diseases, and other causes of death. Just because they had friendships. And in fact, the study kind of went deeper. They actually kind of tracked just in general health, not just mortality rates, but just general health. And they found out that even in things like the common cold, that people who had friends and close friendships actually had less colds than anybody else, which just goes to prove scientifically that people without friends really are snotty people. (laughs) Scientific fact. There it is. (laughs) Questions asked. With all the people that there are in the world, how can it be that so many people are lonely? Somebody ought to think of a way so that people would not be lonely. And somebody did. God did. Jesus did. What Jesus came to do was not only to redeem us and bring us into a relationship with the Father. He came to redeem us and restore us into relationships with each other. And God's design for the church is that it would be a community, little communities, little pockets of community all around where people would make connections, would build relationships, would grow and nurture together in this relationship they have with God. And sadly, all too often, that is not the picture of what people have when they think of church. And that's this whole series that we're going through in the book of Luke. And actually, for the next few years, this is just our theme. We want to change the way people think about church. We want to change the way people view the church. And that's a big, daunting task. And, and we're only one church, and you're only one person. But here's how we're going to do it. We're going to do it one by one, personally, in friendships, We're going through the book of Luke together and and just looking at at how Jesus lived and how he interacted with people. And we're going to look this morning in Luke chapter 5 at one of these events in his life, one of these stories from from, uh, his his ministry. And and it's not so much this story, it involves Jesus, but it's not so much a story about Jesus, it's a story about some friends. And if you want to follow along, we've got some Bibles around on the seats next you. if you didn't bring one. If you want to follow along, it's in Luke chapter 5. And if not... You can just listen. Luke tells us, One day Jesus was, was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village in Galilee, and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came, carrying a paralyzed man on a mat, and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up onto the roof and lowered him on his mat, through the tiles, into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. And Jesus saw their faith. He said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Now the Pharisees and teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking, and he asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So, he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. And everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe, and they said, We have seen remarkable things today. Yes, they had. And they saw that because of some friends. Because more than anything else, really, this story is about friendships. This is a story of a group of guys. Without these friends, this man would never have gotten to Jesus. He would never have been healed. He would never have been forgiven. He would never have experienced any of these things were it not for his friends. And we're going to change the way people view the church through our friendships. Now, last week, we talked about doing acts of kindness for people that you don't know, for a complete stranger. That was your homework assignment, in case you forgot. Now you got to make it up, okay? But this week, what I want to talk about is friendships. Because I think this story just so epitomizes what we want in faithful friendships. And to have those kinds of friendships, you need to be that kind of friend. So this morning, what we're going to talk about is what does it look like to be a faithful friend? How you and I can be faithful friends. And there's a couple of things I want to point out for you. So if you want to follow along, first one is this. Make your friendships your top priority. That seems like a no-brainer. But the truth of the matter is we don't we have so many other things going on in our lives. We've got demands, we've got commitments, we have deadlines, we have so many other things that so involve and take up our time and take up our energy that friendships kind of drift lower and lower down on the ranking. And If you're gonna be a faithful friend, the very first step is you've gotta make your friendships your top priority. Now we're not told much about this, in fact, we're only given one sentence about these guys. All that, Luke's tell, all that Luke tells us is, some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to get him into the house to land before Jesus. Now, that doesn't tell us very much, except if you know the backstory. <clears throat> and we talked about this a little bit last week. Because you see, to suffer an affliction, to be suffering in any way, it was believed that you brought that on yourself. And, and particularly to be paralyzed, meant you must have done something and God is punishing you. I mean, that was, the, that was the natural assumption. So there's a spiritual stigma to this whole thing. For this guy to have friends that cared about him this much really meant something. Because this would not be somebody that you would think would be worth having as a friend. There's a, there's a, there's a spiritual stigma to it. There's a social stigma to it as well. People in the ancient world, handicapped people in the ancient world were not treated very well. They did not have the Jewish Disabilities Act, <laughs> like we have the ADA, okay? You didn't, have, you didn't have ramps, you know? You didn't get special ramps to get upstairs. You didn't get a placard for your donkey. You didn't get preferred parking spots. You didn't have anybody looking out for you, okay? To be lame, to be handicapped in that society was really to be totally dependent on other people totally dependent you didn't get a wheelchair ramp you didn't even get a wheelchair you got a mat maybe and if you wanted to go anywhere somebody had to carry you so i want you to think about this guy he's got no standing got no job because there's nothing he can do he's got nothing to offer in the way of friendship really except himself the only way he gets anywhere is if somebody will carry him And then think a little bit about this. Think of the emotional baggage that that carried for him to know that you had nothing to offer anybody back and to be totally dependent on somebody else. Somebody to feed him. Somebody to clean him when he soiled himself. That's this guy. He's got no job, probably nothing more than a beggar. He's got no future. He's got no hope. He's carrying all of this stuff and on top of it, feeling like a burden to everybody that he knows, he's got nothing except friends. But to have these kinds of friends, that, that friendship, that doesn't happen overnight. He has a group of guys in his circle of friends that care about him deeply, that are involved in his life, that are, that are his mat bearing buddies kind of a deal, okay? That's what he's got. And that level of friendship takes a priority. See, because you don't get those kinds of friends unless you work on it. And something, we don't know much about this guy, but what we know is he's got a dedicated group of friends. And that happens when you make your friendships a priority. And that takes time. Because the truth is, you can't carry somebody's mat on the run. That takes time. And I think, I, the, here's what I tell you, I think the two greatest barriers to deep friendships in our culture is the pace of our lives, because we're just too busy, we got too many demands on us, and the second thing is our television sets. <laughs> <laughs> got to be honest. Because of the pace of our lives, we get home for, you know, from work or wherever we've been, and we just, wa- just want to veg. So we turn on the TV and we Veg. And you don't develop deep friendships that way. Deep friendships happen when you give them time, when you invest in them, the pace of our lives. And we say things like this. We do things like, I do it myself. I say things like, you know, we need to get together sometime. Yeah, we really ought to get together. You know, we just, we don't get together often enough. Let's do coffee. Let's do lunch. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what. Send me an email and I'll look at my calendar and we'll figure something out. And if I don't get that email, if I don't get that text, I don't. I don't reciprocate. I don't take the initiative. I just, I, I'd like to. I just don't have the time. And what I'm telling you this morning is those kinds of friendships only develop when you give them time and when you give them attention. That's the kind of thing it takes because the truth is there are hurting people all around you. Everybody's got a mat. Everybody's got a mat. Some of them are more visible than others. Some people are really, really good at hiding their mats, but I will guarantee you this, everybody's got one. It might be a weakness. It might be a failure from the past. It might be an addiction. It might be family problems. It, might be, it, it could be a number of things. It could be a physical ailment. But I will tell you this this morning, the truth of the matter is everybody's got one. And you will never discover somebody's mat unless you pay attention unless you take the time. Here's two good indicators that I found because I've kind of been, this has been on my radar now for the last week or so as I've been thinking about this and I've noticed a couple things. You can see it very often in people's shoulders. If you're talking to somebody and they're just kind of slumped shoulders, it's like they're carrying the weight of the world. Probably carrying a mat. Something going on. There's another one, because we've got we've got some friends right now that are going through some stuff. And I just and I noticed it the other night. I saw them and and, and the wife, she has this permanent worried look on her forehead. <laughs> and I thought, she's carrying a big mat right now. See, if, if if we if we take the time, if we make the time, if we pay attention, you will discover people's mats. But you will not do that if you don't give it a priority the thing that we know about these guys is they knew their friend they knew their friend and they had developed a relationship and he had learned to rely on them and be vulnerable and risky with them and they had learned to pick up where he could not but I guarantee you that took some time it was a priority for them they're going to see Jesus but they're not going to go alone they got to bring their friend So the first thing is simply that. Just make your friendships a priority. Carve out the time for your friends. Second one is then look for tangible ways that you can serve them. There is something that you can do. Faithful friends serve each other. Faithful friends help each other. And that's the deal here. They're going to go see Jesus, but they're not going to go alone. It says they tried to take him into the house. They went and picked him up. They tried to get him to the house. Their number one thought is, how can we get him to Jesus? If we could just get him to Jesus, Jesus will know what to do. And that's the number one question on their mind. The trouble is, it's not as easy as they thought it was going to be. Because they get there and the place is crowded. This is a small place. They didn't have McMansions like we do, okay? We're talking about a house that maybe had two rooms. And it was crowded if there were like 20, 25 people there. And this place is so packed that nobody can get in. They can't even get to the front door. They can maybe look into the window if they're lucky. And right then and there, it would be be real easy for his friends to say, gosh, I'm sorry. I tried. We did our best. We got so close. But I guess it's not going to happen. I'm going to tell you, a faithful friendship finds a way. And and that's what these guys did. And then this is now, okay, here's my imagination. Because I have an imaginative mind sometimes. As I read these stories and I kind of picture it in my mind, okay. Luke doesn't tell us how many guys there were um actually mark tells us there were four of them and that would be assumed because there's four corners to the mat you know holding the stretcher kind of a deal but i kind of as i was reading through it i was kind of picturing more kind of like three guys more like the three stooges is actually what kind of came to my mind you know because i'm i'm reading this and they're going and and i can it's kind of weird that way i'm sorry but it was just like i can kind of see them okay we can't get in what are we going to do you know, what are we going to do? And to me, it's just kind of like the, the Larry Fine character speaks up. He goes, I know. Let's go up to the roof. Let's dig a hole. We'll drop him in through the roof. You know, and Mo kind of saying, you lame brain, you imbecile, you know. And turned the Curly, and he goes, I'm thinking, but nothing's happening, you know. That's kind of my picture of the deal. I don't know. But they came up with this idea. Okay, this isn't going to be as easy as we thought. We got to come up with something. We got to figure out a way. So it says they couldn't find a way to do this because of the crowd. They went up on the roof, lowered him down on his mat, threw the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. Now, they're not vandalizing the house, okay? Let me kind of give you a little construction background here. These houses were probably pretty small, like I said. They were probably kind of mud, adobe-type huts kind of a deal. And, and the roof wouldn't have been, a, you know tile roofs, you know, with sheet metal and all that kind of stuff like we would today. It would be more just kind of a crosswork of beams and sticks, and then maybe some straw on top of that, and then some tiles. So it would really be a simple matter of just removing a few tiles, finding a space big enough, and then lowering them down through that, okay? So they're not destroying the house, because I know some of you are going to be host homes for our community groups, and you go, I'm not going to be a host home if that kind of stuff is going to happen, okay? (laughs) So they didn't tear the whole place apart, okay? But They were certainly noticeable because it wasn't like just, you know, the roof opened up, you know. So again, I picture this in the house now and Jesus is preaching and I've, you know, I can, I can preach. I can talk over crying babies. There's a lot of things I can ignore while I'm preaching, but if the hole opened up in the roof and the dust starts falling it's going to probably distract me, you know, just a little bit. And this guy comes down. And what I love about it is right into the middle, right in front of Jesus. And again, the way that I picture this is like some of them are up on the roof. And there's one guy like at the window and he's saying, okay, a little to the left, you know, a little to the right. Okay, right no, no this way a little bit. Okay, that's it, you know, because they right down in front of Jesus. So the roof opens up and, and this thing comes down. And, and here's this guy on the stretcher and he's right in front of Jesus. It's like, that's all we wanted to do. Jesus is going to take it from here. But that's all we had. We just had to find a way. And I'm going to tell you faithful friendships find a way. And I will also tell you this sometimes it will be over the long haul. It's not going to be an easy thing, it's not going to happen just like that. It's going to take time. And if somebody is going through a time of difficulty that you know of, I'm telling you, they're going to need your help, not just once, not just twice. They're going to need your help all the way through. Now, I want to ask you this morning, are you the kind of friend that somebody could call in the middle of the night when they have an emergency? Are you the kind of friend who could, if they need you to come alongside and stay with them over a period of time, could you be that kind of friend? Because I think those are the kinds of friends that God's looking for us to be. It's going the extra mile. It's finding some tangible way to help. They're doing something. All they got to do is figure out, what can I do? What can we do? Because here's the deal. God always uses other people to heal people. More often than not, he uses people to heal people. And that's our job. To be a part of that healing process. And we're not all doctors. In fact, very few of us are doctors. And you're probably thinking to yourself, what could I do? I don't know. But you could do something. You could do something. It might be something as simple as as making a phone call. It might be something as simple as writing a note of encouragement. It might be making a commitment to take a friend to their doctor's appointment for three weeks in a row. Or something like that. I don't know. But what I know about these friends is they were not going to give up until something happened. It got a little bit harder than they expected, but that wasn't the end of their attempts. They found another way. And that takes connectedness. That takes intentionality. That takes an ongoing commitment to be a friend. And again, this, by the way, is one of the reasons why we put such an emphasis here on our community groups. And we encourage everybody to get into a community group because here's what happens. As a church grows, as the church gets bigger... And you got multiple services, and people are coming, and sometimes they come. One service sometimes they come, another. And, and you just, all you see each other is passing in the hallway. And, and you're never going to know what somebody's mat is if it's just a hi, how are you, through the hallway. And the beauty of community groups is we learn to do life together. We learn to grow together. We engage with each other. And this happens quite often where, where somebody will complain because, you know, I was sick or I was in the hospital and nobody came to visit me. Nobody did anything. Nobody helped me. Nobody did, nobody. And I'm so mad at our church because they should have done this and they should have done that. And one of the first questions that I ask people is, are you a part of a community group? And very often the answer is no. And I say, how would anybody know to come visit you? If you're not connected with anybody, who would know? <laughs> how, would, how would somebody be able to help you if you don't have any kind of a relationship that anybody would notice that maybe you needed some help? And the reason we put such an emphasis on our community groups is we build, build those kinds of connections within the body so that we could help each other. We can do that on the large scale, but we need to do it on the small scale. We do it with our dollar club. That's a really big part of what we did. We started that... Almost a year ago now. And we've been able to help so many families in, in very tangible ways. And that's a great thing. And in fact, I had some, I remember our church had um, some relatives, friends visiting out um, this summer. And they heard about this dollar club idea that, that we give a dollar for every person in attendance. And we just ask people, just give one dollar extra above and beyond. And we'll use that to bless a family. And they walked out of there. And this person is not particularly a churchgoer. They just said to their friends, now that's a church that gets it. But Yeah, we can do better, but we're learning. See, we can do that on the big scale, and that's great, but we also got to do it on the smaller scale, too. And it can't just be with people within our church family. It's friends we develop outside of our church family as well, which is the, th- the third part of this whole thing, is let your faith become a bridge to Jesus. I don't know if you noticed this as we read through the story, but it really stuck out to me. It says when Jesus saw whose faith? Whose faith? Their, faith? their faith. Not the man's faith, not the guy, not the paralyzed man's faith. This is when he saw their faith. He saw their faith. That their faith became a bridge for their friends' forgiveness, for their friends' healing. Their faith is what got them there. He saw their faith. And I asked myself the question this week, what is it that he saw? What is it that he saw? It says he's not that he heard of their faith. He saw their faith. What did he see? He saw saw a man who was in need, who was trusting of his friends, who was willing to be vulnerable and admit that he had a need, who was willing to trust his friends to lower him down through the roof, roof and not drop him, I mean, you know, there, there's a trust there. There's, there was a trust that he had in his friends. But he also, I think, saw in the friends a faith and a trust that was willing to take a risk, to do something out of the ordinary, to take a chance, to commit to doing whatever they could for their friend. And I think the third thing he saw when he saw this man right in front of him was he saw, here is a people here's a group of guys, here's some friends who trust me too. Because their thing was if we could just get him in front of Jesus and let Jesus take it from there. And sometimes we feel like we've got to do all of it. And if we could just, we could build a bridge so that people could just see Jesus. And I think, yeah, and, and believe me, I'm not sure how that works. And I do believe and I do know that everybody's got to take their own steps of faith. Everybody's got to make their own decisions. Everybody's got to decide what they're going to do when they meet Jesus. But there is a part of this that involved the friends. And here's why this hits home for me. Because in the last two weeks, we have had some very close friends of ours. Numbers of close friends of ours all of a sudden have their lives fall apart. We have two couples that are really close friends of ours that are now heading to divorce. Had no idea that was happening. Had no idea that was coming. Should have. Maybe I wasn't paying attention. Two of our really good friends. Couples. They're splitting up. I have another really good friend. Sailed with for a number of years. Diagnosed with bone cancer. I have another friend. Who has been so racked with pain that now they have become addicted to the pain pills and now has to go into rehab. <laughs> and it was just like, I remember, I remember sitting at the dinner table talking with Betty and saying, it seems like everybody around us has fallen apart. <laughs> what are we going to do? Because these are people that we care about. And last Sunday night, Betty and another friend of theirs took, took the friend out. He said, you know, let's just go out to dinner. Let's just talk. Let's just have fun. Let's just do something. My friend with bone cancer, and I found out, I said, I'm, I'm going to be with you wherever this goes, however long it takes, I'm going to be with you over the long haul. And, I, and I've, made an, I've made a date with him. Every week, we're going to get together for lunch. And, and we're not going to talk about cancer unless you want to talk about it, but we're just going to get together for lunch. And I'm just going to hang out with you. And we'll try some restaurants we've never been to. And we're just going to go have some fun together. See, it, it could be something that simple. Because sometimes I think the needs are so overwhelming. I can't heal him. I can't do anything. But, but I can be a friend. And, and here's the deal. My prayer is, my prayer has been the last couple of weeks, God, somehow, somehow would you see my faith for him? Would you see my faith for them? Would my faith somehow be a bridge? And I don't know how that's going to happen. I don't know how that works. But I'm just praying, God, would you somehow, could my faith be a bridge for them to you? However you can do that. I'm just going to make myself available. See, every one of us in this room, I think, can think of somebody in your life, some friend that you have that's hurting right now. And you could make a difference for them. You could, you could build a bridge for them to Jesus. Because when, hap- when that happens over the long haul, you know the kinds of things that happen is people, people will say things to you like, you know what, I don't know if I believe everything you believe, but I know you believe it. And you're the best friend I got. And that faithful friendship could possibly be the bridge for your friend to know Jesus. All they, this, this was their faith. They didn't know what Jesus would do. They had no guarantee he would notice them. They had no guarantee he was going to heal them. But they said, if we can just get him to Jesus, we'll let Jesus do the rest. <laughs> and if that can just kind of be our attitude, I, I just want to help get you to Jesus. Whatever I can do. If it means digging a hole in somebody's roof, <laughs> I'll take that risk. Or if it means just writing a note of encouragement. Whatever it is. So this is going to be your change the way people view the church assignment this week. Serve someone you know who needs your help. Specifically, serve a friend who needs your help. And I'm just going to, let me give you a little bit of warning up front. Because it's real easy to serve people who are appreciative you may not get the appreciation. I'm just gonna warn you up front. And, and in fact, there may, be, there may be friends that you help and all the things that you do will never be enough. Serve them anyway. In fact, there may be some friends that you might do a hundred things for them And then one thing you promise to do and for some reason you don't get around to it or something comes up or you never do it and they might even badmouth you to everybody because you're no good of a friend and you're going to want to say wait a minute what about all these other things I did for you? Do it anyway. Because that was one of the things I was thinking about and and, and I kind of have encountered and I thought well wait a minute. Don't, what are you, you wait a minute what about, what about, what about, and I thought wait a minute, that's not Jesus. Jesus constantly did things for people who didn't appreciate it. <laughs> Many who never gave him thanks. We did it anyway. And if we're going to change the way the people see the church, then we've got to change the way we do our friendships. And that's one way that you and I can do that this week. That makes sense? So here's what I'd like you to do on your paper just right now. It might be the name, might be the first name, it might just be the initials. But the friend that you know right now that needs your help, that needs some kind of help, just put their initials down, put their name down there. And then this week, specifically find a way that you can help them. Do something tangible. All right? Let's bow our heads together.